You're listening to the Valley Labor Report with David Story and Jacob Morrison. The time has come for America to hear the truth. We are going to stand with them, and not only are we going to fight for their rights, but we're going to stand up for our rights here in our state, in our homes, and in our community. Labor's rights in the United States of America is not going to be decided in the courts. It's not going to be decided in Congress. It's not going to be decided on talk radio. And it sure is not going to be decided on Fox News. Solidarity Jacob Morrison here with my co-host and fellow agitator, David Story. It is Saturday, January 9th, 2020, and we are broadcasting live online and on the radio on WVNN in the Huntsville, Decatur, Athens listening area from Athens, Alabama. A recording of this program will play tomorrow, Sunday, January 10th on the great WGOL in Russellville, Alabama. Uh, Today, we are talking to Alabama mine worker Dedrick Gardner, uh, talking about the new year and taking calls. If you want to chat with us, the phone number is 1-866-494-9866. So thanks for tuning in, folks. Uh, We really appreciate your time. If you want to see what we're up to throughout the week, get our snide quips about the news of the day, then you should follow us on social media. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Valley Labor Report. We're on Twitter at Labor Reporters. I'm on Twitter at Jacob M underscore A-L. David is on Twitter at Radical Unionist. That's spelled R-A-D-I-C-L Unionist. And if you missed part of the show and want to go back and watch it later, you can search YouTube for The Valley Labor Report and subscribe to our channel. You should definitely do that. And uh, you can go back and watch the full show there. We also clip segments throughout the week and release them. So if you don't want to watch the full show, but, you know, there was something that we talked about that, that you think might, might, might interest you, you should subscribe to the channel and you can just watch the things that are interesting to you. We also upload the program on more than 11 different podcasting apps. So to see see if we are on your listening platform of choice, go to the Valley Labor Report dot transistor dot FM slash subscribe. We have a website you should go to the Valley Labor Report dot org. And finally, if you appreciate our work and want to help us stay on the air, uh, you can donate to us on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash the Valley Labor Report. The more listener support that we have, the less we have to rely on advertising that is good for the uh, long-term stability of the show uh, as well as enjoyability of the show. I, I, I do not enjoy being interrupted by ads, and I'm sure that people listening don't enjoy ads. So, you know don't like ads then throw us a dollar a month or something uh that would be the way to attack that so on the phone uh today we are talking to dedrick gardner he is an alabama mine worker he is the chair of the grievance committee and an organizer for the united mine workers of america district 20 brother dedrick thank you for your time today thanks for talking to us 
Hey, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, so, Dedrick, you know, uh, how did you become a coal miner in Alabama? That's a, that, you know, that, there's not a whole lot of uh, not a whole lot of coal mining jobs I- anymore. Uh, what you know, what brought you to the to the industry? What uh, what what got you into coal mining? Well, first of all, what got started me in the mining industry? Um, it started off as a bet. <laughs> um, we were standing out one day. That's all good stories. Okay, okay. And we were standing out one day, and um, being a friend of mine, he said, man, you ain't going to go down there. I said, I bet you I will if they hire me. And it went on from there. He said, well, we're going to go tomorrow and put in an application. Well, I went to put in an application, and he did. And I've been there ever since. Yeah, he's probably. So that's how I got my mining career started. Probably unhappy that he didn't go. Well, he's he's turned out to be successful. Um, okay. He has his own business. He got into business for himself. So okay. it works out. He helps me and I help him. Well, there you go. There you go. So what, uh, you know, tell us, uh, you know, there's a lot of folks um, up here, you know, here in Huntsville, there's a lot of kind of like paper pusher, you know, desk type jobs. What What's it like, you know, being down in the mines? Do you, do you, you know, what you've, have you got any like really interesting stories being down in the mines or, you know, it, it just, uh, you, you just, what, what is that, what is that job like for somebody that, that's, that's down in the mines every day? Well, first of all, in order to work in a mine, you got to be a very special individual, especially mentally. And um, second of all, no matter who you are or what you are, when you drop on the ground, all that is forgotten about. Because at that point in time, it's about providing for your family. It's about a a brotherhood, a sisterhood, a a family type and culture, because you go down there to provide and you go down there to make it out safely. Yeah. That's... It's kind of amazing because you, you you're saying the same thing. I, I I've never never been inside of mine, but I've I've watched a lot of these documentaries on the labor history up in uh, West Virginia and areas like that. And you know everybody says the same thing. Everybody in y'all's union says the same thing. Uh, it takes a special type of person. It takes a a very strong mental person to be able to stay down there for eight, ten, twelve hours a day, and then uh, at the end of the day, it's about your family. Exactly. Right, right. And, and you know, you mentioned that it, it, it takes a, a special type of person mentally to be able to do that. And that's something that I, that I, I reckon probably a lot of a lot of paper pushers, so to speak, kind of take for granted that that, you know, they reckon that that uh, that they do they, they do the mental work. And folks like coal miners do the physical work, and there's not a whole lot of overlap. They think, and 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 really, it takes you know you've got the the unskilled labor is not you know that that's a uh, that that's largely a myth. It, you know, it takes you you've got to have uh you know you've got to be intelligent to to be able to do this kind of work. Exactly. You know, a lot of people always tell you the most dangerous thing you do in life is drive a car, which numbers have shown that. But when you have a family member and a loved one that works in a coal mine, I feel like it's just important too as well because you never know when that's going to be your last time placing guys on them. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, we've Because when you're down there. Go ahead, sorry. It's about survival. Right. Yeah, we've got monuments in the state of Alabama to to lost coal miners. You know, I mean, people, people... People don't realize the history here and, and the loss of life that we've seen because of 
uh, because because of of greedy capitalist uh, mine owners. Really, mm-hmm. no, there's no other no other reason that people have lost their lives other than uh, these folks took advantage of of regulations that weren't in place and put put our brothers and sisters' lives at risk and lost those lives. Exactly. So you know that that uh that that leads us to you know a good uh, uh, a good segue into the the union aspect of this. You know I mentioned that you're a chair of the grievance committee. You're an organizer for the United Mine Workers, and and um, you know the mining industry has has historically uh, been pretty union dense. Uh, you, you know wh- what would you say is is kind of the um, what. What is the interplay there between um, the union and, and, and the work and, and like what does it mean to actually to you and to your sisters and brothers on the job to actually have a union on the job and, and be able to uh, 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 you know to advocate for yourselves? Okay, let me back back a little. For one thing, when it comes to union, I was raised in a union household. My daddy being with the post office and my mama being in the educator department. The thing about union when it comes to coal mining, the number one thing that I come to learn and that we stand firm on is your individual safety rights, considering the conditions of the job. And at one point of time, companies used to recognize and value their employees because they gave them life health care. And the reason why is because you're working in such hazardous conditions, you're taking in dust, no matter how respirators or things, different other PPEs you try to do to prevent that, it's just a part of the job. And I feel by being union, it bags and it holds the accountability to the companies to make sure that the employees have the best working conditions possible. That's that, that's exactly right. You know, the um, in almost every industry, you're not going to have. You know, the the boss isn't going to give you. Very rarely is the boss going to give you better pay and, and and good working conditions out of you know the kindness of their heart. You've got to take it. You've got to take it, and that's and that's you know uh, the the union allows you to do that. The union allows you to exert the power that you have because the coal ain't getting out of the mines without y'all. You're gonna have as many bosses up above the ground as you want. It ain't getting out there if you ain't got if you don't have anybody down in the mines pulling it out. And so, so the union allows y'all to exert that power that you have—the power that that, that that you have with with your labor, uh, uh, you know, because y'all are the ones doing the work. Exactly. Uh, so, how did you uh, get into? You know, what made you want to not only be in the union? You know, it sounds like sounds like you've got a history of this. You said you're from a union household. Your uh, uh, your daddy was a, a postal worker. Your mama was a uh, educator. So you know you you've you were raised with. Uh, unlike a lot of folks in Alabama, you were raised knowing the value of having a union on the job, of being able to stand with your sisters and brothers on the job uh, for your rights. But. Uh, what was it that, that made you want to go in to uh, be active in the union, to, to be a chair of the grievance committee, to be an organizer for the union? Because first of all, I already know I live in a right-to-work state. Mm. I know 
that companies can fire you at will. But then if you just look at the common thing that everybody has, the state law in Alabama says in order to operate a vehicle, you must have insurance. Why not work and be a part of a union, some form of insurance on your employment too as well? Yeah. You need a covering nowadays. These companies are doing what they want to do and not realize it's the labor in these people's backs that are producing whatever, whether it's coal, whether it's steel, anything in an industrial environment, they're doing it on their backs and they're reaping the benefits of it. Mm-hmm. And I would have no choice but to feel like I need some kind of protection. I need some form of representation. Yeah. I couldn't work if I didn't have representation because these companies need to be held accountable for what takes place on these jobs. Yeah. And, and not only accountable, but you know, one thing that we talk about a lot on this show is restoring the democracy in the workplace. In other words, you know, they, they, the, they like to talk about the founding fathers and implementing democracy in our country, but, but especially in our state and a lot of the Southern states, nobody ever wants to talk about democracy in the workplace and allowing these workers to have a say so in their lives and in what they're doing on a daily basis. Right. Dedrick, uh, we're going to bring you back on the other side of this break. Everybody else, stay tuned. You are listening to the Valley Labor Report. We're talking to Alabama coal miner Dedrick Gardner. You're listening to the Valley Labor Report with David Story and Jacob Morrison. Welcome back to the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison. My co-host is David Story. On the line, we've got Alabama Mine Worker, Chair of the Grievance Committee, and an organizer for the United Mine Workers of America District 20, Brother Dedrick Garner. And, uh, and can we just say, from, from from the short amount of time that we've been talking to him, all around badass. Can we say that on the radio? <laughs> yeah, I, think, I, think we can, I think we can say that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I... That, Seriously, um, it, it's really it's really great to talk to you. I appreciate you taking your time uh, and, and and talking to us about uh, uh you know about being being a miner and being a unionist in in, in Alabama. Um, t- tell us about uh, uh, I think I think it might be interesting and helpful even even for other union members like my uh, like like myself and, and like some of the folks listening to um, maybe learn about what the uh the grievance process in, in your union looks like and 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 maybe you could walk walk us through like a specific case that that you've done as as chair of the grievance committee i don't know long, how long you've been chair of the grievance committee but you know like what what does that look like, like when a worker is um harmed on the job or, or something is done wrong to them what what does that process look like for them with the union in the workplace with uh, uh you know th- through the grievance procedure well, to better make it simple and plain, the grievance committee is 
when they put black and white on you, you turn around and put black and white on them. And when I say that, it's an accountability thing because I believe in accountability strong. And what it is, when they the company challenges you, you turn around, you challenge them to uphold what is in that bargaining agreement. And not just the bargaining agreement, you try to do the process in the events in different steps and different phases. And it's different steps to it. It's one, two, three. And if there's no resolve, you put it in front of a neutral party. Yeah. But in the grievance process, you would think that you can work situations out between the employee and the employer to get some resolve. So that's all the grievance process is, is to challenge what's been challenged to you. Yeah. And sometimes people can step out of the line what's in the black and white. And most of the time what causes that situation is because the company tries to take advantage of the employee. And what we do is represent the employee to get them due diligence. Yeah. And let's whether it's go ahead. Whether it's pay whether it's um, time served, different things. It's, it's different things you can challenge it for because it asks you what you want. What are you filing or what What would you, you know, what are you looking for in this grievance form? So, yeah. And I that's, think we that's, need, that's what a grievance is. We need to back up. Uh, because a lot of our, our a lot of our listeners are union members, but there's there's a wide uh, array of people that's listening on the radio that that may not understand even what a grievance is in the process that you just explained what it refers to. But the fact is, the grievance process is born out of the contract that is negotiated between the workers and the employers. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, Im- yeah, that's important to point out because most of the workers in, in the state of Alabama and most of the workers across the, the nation do not have a contract between themselves and the employers. And that contract is just simply an agreement that's negotiated on behalf of the union and on behalf of the employer to make sure that all of our working conditions, our wages, our retirement, our safety conditions are addressed and both sides live up to that contract. No different than, a, than an automobile note that we sign, no, no different than a house note that we may sign. Everywhere else in the world, in the business community, we have a contract that ensures that both sides, if I, if I say I'm going to pay X amount of dollars a month for my house payment, then they hold me to that. And if they say they're going to keep my interest rate at X percent for the next 15 years, then I can hold them to that. And the union is simply a process to hold the employer and the employee to what they agreed to. And Mm -hmm. then when it's not happening, then that grievance process comes in. So I, I think that's important to explain to the listeners because people, I mean, you know it, nobody has a clue about unions. Right. And that's what he's talking about, about, you know, um, 
holding them to the black and white, talking about the black and white that's on the contract that they have negotiated with the employer. We had somebody some, uh, somebody on <laughs> uh, on YouTube talk, uh, commented on on one of our videos one time that uh, you don't you don't need a, a union because you don't need a contract because every place has an employee handbook and it's like the foolishness the foolishness of, of that the employee handbook is written <laughs> by the employer with no input from the employee and it's at their whim like they can change the employee handbook at any time there's nothing to hold them accountable even to what they say voluntarily that they're going to do with a union with a contract you've got that process laid out like brother Dedrick said in black and white and you've got a process laid out in black and white for rectifying issues that come about during the process of a work day mm-hmm. uh, so you know uh, uh, brother we've got just a uh, just a few more minutes here and like uh, David said uh, ju- just a couple just a couple more minutes here and like David said you know most of our audience are uh, most of America most of Alabama, is they do not have a union in their workplace. And, you know, New Year, New Year's resolutions. You know, what would you say to folks that don't have a union in their workplace and, and uh, you know, about what it's like being in a union? Would you encourage them to join a union, form a union on the job, things like that? I would tell everybody in the world to join. Organizing is is a very special thing. And when I say it's very special, you got to get people on one accord. And when you can get the workers on one accord and you can get those people to come together and you can get those individuals to sign up, like I'm a mine worker, you don't have to work in a coal mine to be organized by us. And nowadays, you have companies out here where unions are president. And sometimes you got to organize to organize Mm. because you have companies trying to talk people from not participating in the union. Mm -hmm. So organizing is a very special thing. And I think people need to look at it and look into it because at the end of the day, you want an answer for what's taking place on your bread and butter for your family. Right. Dedrick, that's exactly right. That is a great place to wrap it up. Thank you so much for talking to us. We, we really appreciate it. That was, that was fantastic. Brother, have a good Saturday. Huntsville's number one news, talk and weather station. It's 10 o'clock. Folks, good morning and welcome back to the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison. My co-host is David Story. We appreciate you listening to us. If you want to give us a call, the phone number is 1-866-494-9866. Again, that phone number is 1-866-494-9866. If you want to give us a call, you can talk to us about anything. Um... And you should anything. Sub- anything. You should subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, if you missed the first thirty minutes of the show, we had a fantastic interview with an Alabama coal miner, brother Dedrick Gardner, uh, with the United Mine Workers of America District Twenty. 
chair of the grievance committee. He's an organizer with the union. Um, man, he's got a good voice. I wish I had a voice that, that deep and smooth. It'd be much better for radio. <laughs> um, but uh, I really enjoyed that conversation. That was really good about uh, you know what, what it's like being a, being a coal miner, what it's like to have a union on the job, have a, have, have a, a, a way to represent yourself a way to advocate for your rights on the job and you know that's a good kind of um that's a good kind of segue into into you know what i wanted to talk about next which was look 2021 is a new year everybody had a terrible 2020 a lot of folks are going to be making not everybody had a terrible 2020 yeah, well, I mean, Elon Musk overtook Jeff Bezos as the richest. I mean, there's a lot of there's, uh, there's, corporatists yeah, out there that, that one had or two a great people, one or two people had a great 2020, but uh, working people, working people, working people did not have a good 2020 for a myriad of reasons. And there's a lot of folks out there making New Year's resolutions. I encourage that, you know, make a, a, a tra- because here is here's the 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 secret. 2021 is not going to be better than 2020 if we don't make it better. We've got to, we, we as a, as a collective society, we shape the world that we live in. We create the world that, uh, uh, that, that we live in. And, and, and so a lot of folks, a lot of folks are feeling really overwhelmed. They're feeling, um, despair kind of at the direction of the country at the um you know at the actions of their countrymen last week and uh, you know they don't know what to do they don't know what the next steps to take are and here's what i would encourage you to do i would encourage you to consider joining if you've got a union at your workplace and you're not a part of it and you're listening to this show like yeah, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. You need, <laughs> you need to call in and we need to have a chat. But, have a chat. <laughs> but you need to join your union, obviously. If you've got a union, if you've got a union in your workplace, you are among the most um, lucky, lucky, privileged w- workers in the country to be able to have a voice on the job, to be able to have that kind of insurance like Dedrick said, to be able to have uh, that uh, those sisters and brothers that you can rely on to fight for you. You're among the most lucky workers in the country. And if you've got a union in your workplace and you're not a dues-paying member, you need to change that. You absolutely need to change that. And secondly, if you are a dues-paying member and you're not active in your union, you need to change that. You need to get active in your union. Because uh, like anything else... Like, like this country, like our society, the union is what is created by the members. And if you've got a lax membership, if you've got membership that don't really care, if you've got membership that simply sees it as insurance, that doesn't see it as anything other than insurance, it's not going to be a very good union. You're just going to have a bunch of paper members that are just sending in dues every month, and you're not going to be very active. You're not going to have a very effective union. So you need to be active in your union. But uh, but but here's the big thing, and this is the the part that's most relevant or that's relevant to most of our audience. If you don't have a union, yeah. you should cons- you should you should start you should start working on that. You should you uh, every worker 
deserves a voice on the job. Every worker deserves a say in how their company runs. Every worker deserves a say in how they are treated and what they're paid and how much vacation that they get and what their working conditions are like. You don't get that if you don't organize for it. Yeah. And so, you know, it, uh, I know that there's there's a lot going on and, there, and, and, and a lot of it, as an individual, you don't really have that much control over it as an individual. As a collective, we have complete control over everything. And the way to assert control, the way to gain control of our society and, and turn it, put it on the right track, uh, uh, you know, right the ship, is to get organized. And, and when we come together in our workplaces uh, and form unions... The first thing is, and, and the thing that's most relevant, or that, that is most immediately relevant, is that you get a better job, right? You it, when you form a union, your job is immediately better than it, than it was before. Okay, you're going to have the right to uh, bargain for your wages and working conditions. You're going to have a say on the job if your uh, if your boss is harassing you, if you're uh, you know you're being mistreated, you're not being paid enough, you don't get enough leave. You're going to have a means to get what you deserve, okay? And and so that that's the first and thing. Bef- yeah, and before you leave that point, it, it, it's, it needs to be pointed out that, that, that the safety aspect of your job, because yes. right now, you know, uh, uh, Strikewatch, but Strikewatch, oh, Strikewatch? Strikewave. Strikewave, you know, has this NLRB uh, map showing all of these... Uh, all of these safety uh, OSHA map uh, from all of these safety concerns has been turned in by employees all over the mm-hmm. nation. And it's amazing. Yeah. How, and, you know, so when we talk about being able to negotiate a contract, being able to negotiate your wages and things like that, it's also the concern is ensuring your safety and the safety of the workers in your right. workplace, because with, without, you know, the company may put in some, some menial, safety uh protections uh but i can tell you our members have been i believe i know i have been extremely happy with the way that we've handled collectively with the union and the company working together to uh, to ensure the safety of the people on the on, on the on the shop floor and to the best of our knowledge we talked about it just this past week in a labor management meeting, to the best of our knowledge, we have we've had I think thirty four COVID cases inside the plant. Hmm. To the best of our knowledge, none of those cases have come from inside of the plant, and right. and they haven't spread inside of the plant because of those protections hmm. that we put in place, and because we've paid people whenever they're sick hmm. to to be able to stay home, as opposed to just forcing somebody to stay home with right. no economic. Uh, ability to support their family for those two or three or four weeks. Right. That, that's exactly. And, you, you know, you mentioned, uh, uh, you know, a company might can might can put in menial uh, ch- uh, safety changes that that don't really make a difference or or, or better yet, they could say that they're going to put in menial uh, change safety changes that don't really make much of a difference. And then they could just not follow through on that if you don't have a union if the workers at the workplace are not organized uh, and, and if they're not a, if the workers are not able to hold the company even to what they say, you know, because like that, that commenter on that YouTube video some amount of time ago, he said, you know, there are employee handbooks and blah, 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 blah. 
That's just what the employer says. That is just something that the boss wrote down by himself without even consultation of the employees. And there is nothing to hold him to that. That is not legally binding. That is not, uh, there's there's no process for even holding them to what they say they're going to do yeah. if you're not organized. And so if that, somebody complains about it, then he just goes in and, or he or she, right. not to be chauvinistic, but he or she goes in and rewrites, okay, then this is the new employee mm-hmm. handbook. Mm-hmm. You know, and without any say. Right. Like right. you said. Yeah, and 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 you know, so so that's that's the first thing that organizing a union can do, and 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 all of these things that I'm saying, it's not just conjecture. I'm not just being like, uh, like, oh, I like unions, so I'm just going to say that they make you safer. I'm just going to say that they give you higher wages. This is all like hard data. There have been study after study after study. Uh, union members, in the same, when you account for everything else. Everything else is accounted for. Education, experience, blah, 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 blah. All of these things. Union members make at least 14% more higher wages. Just uh, just on the wages, 14% higher wages than... the average non-union member in the, in the, in the same do similarly their, situated. And they do their job better. And they do their Just job better. Just this past week, I read an article that said people that are organized, that are in unions, in the healthcare facilities, in the hospitals, had the patients where those mm-hmm. were, were union jobs had a 36% chance, a greater chance of having a, a good outcome right. as opposed to not. So even there, because you not only are you protecting your rights, your, your, your safety on the job, that gives you that ability to focus on what you're mm-hmm. doing much better than if you're constantly worried about everything. Right. And, and, you know, you, you mentioned that the, there was a recent study that you saw about healthcare workers. There was one at the beginning of the pandemic when, when the big story was nursing homes, uh, that, that we talked about, we yeah. dived b- yeah. pretty deeply into that showed that there was a 40% lower fatality rate in union nursing homes. It allows, and it's not that, look, I, I'm not saying that it's not that we're saying that union workers, like just as individuals, are like better people than non-union workers. That's not what we're saying at all. Not what we're saying at all. What we're saying is that the circum the 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 circumstances of being in a union workplace, being able to have some amount of control over your environment, being in the different environment, allows the same exact people to perform better and to have higher wages and to have better working conditions and better health care and things like that. The, the, as far as like, we're not at all saying union workers are like better but than non-union work per, workers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but we're saying that the environment, the, the change in the environment allows us to do our jobs better. And that and, and and it's been borne out, and so you know that that's the kind of microscopic view of uh, the, the 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 small the small view. We're going to talk about the larger view on the other side of the break. Stay tuned. This is the Valley Labor Report. You're listening to the Valley Labor Report with David Story and Jacob Morrison. Principal, take 
Welcome back to the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison. My co-host is David Story. If you want to talk with us, the phone number is 1-866-494-9866. Again, that phone number is 1-866-494-9866. So before the break, we were talking about, you know, good time to get active in your union. It's a good time to... Uh, join a union if you've got one in your workplace, and it's it's a good time to form a union if you don't have one. And we talked about uh, on on the local level at your workplace, just for you and your coworkers, why it's a good thing. We talked about the fact, the fact, not the opinion, not my belief, not my conjecture. The fact that you get better wages, you get better working conditions, you're going to have better health care, uh, uh, you're going to better retirement, you're going to be able to do your, going to be able to perform your job better, you're going to be able to be a better worker, and, and that's, that's especially relevant for people that like really care about their jobs, that really are um, invested in their jobs, like health care workers, like, like like those type of folks that, that really care about the people that they do their, that they, mm-hmm. that they provide a service for, very relevant, because I know, I I have friends that are nurses that it really hurts them that their hospital administration is impeding their ability to do their job well by not hiring enough enough nurses or by making them work too much or by, uh, you know, any number not of things. Not providing kind of, them with the proper safety gear. Right, right. And and so you know it it'll it'll allow you to do your job better, and that's especially relevant if you like care about your job. <laughs> and most um, people do. Most people do. I most mean, the fact do. is, most people do care about their job. That's exactly right. Um, and so you know, all we we talked about all of that, but but the my segue into it was if you're feeling kind of um, if you're feeling down about the direction of our country, if you're feeling. Um, if you're feeling overwhelmed, you don't know what to do to make your country better. That was that was my segue into it. Was that if you're feeling that way, you should you should form a union. And I started talking about these things that, like you know, look, it's going to make your life better. Um, on uh, you know, just on kind of the uh, uh, local level. But how does it relate to these bigger issues that are happening in our country? How does it relate to all of these other things? And the way that it relates is that. When you organize, when you have a union, you, in all likelihood, you're going to join a larger organization like AFGE, which represents federal employees across the country. We have uh, more than 700,000 members. You're going to join the Machinists Union, who has uh, more than half a million members uh, across the country in, and in Canada and in Mexico, I believe. Not Mexico. Not Mexico, Not Mexico. and in Canada. Um, that, that you're joining a, a big institution that that has a history that uh, and, and you're going to be able to join together with those folks to demand things for people like you, not even people in um, professions that are like you, but just working people because you as as an individual, like let's say you write your congressperson for this or that reason or whatever, you know, that's you should do that. That's fine. You should do that. But what if you get, you know, a thousand people, 
at your uh, uh, that 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 are at your workplace that write to your congressperson? Or what if you get a thousand people that are willing to knock on doors for this or that candidate uh, or or to knock on doors for this or that issue or this or that ballot initiative being uh, for, and, and and you know. Here again is something that studies have borne out. This isn't just conjecture. When you have higher union density in a district, the politician representing that district is going to be more malleable to the demands of working people. There, there have been um, like regression analysis, uh, I believe is the word, of the votes of people and controlling uh, the votes of representatives, controlling for everything else, and, and just looking at what union density does to a representative's voting record. And what it does is it makes them more, uh, 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 more likely to support the things that most of the people in the district support. Okay? So, you know, if you've got if you've got a district where uh 70 80% of the people support a $15 an hour minimum wage or uh 70 80% of the people support uh $2000 survival checks or you know like like 70 or 80% of people in almost every district across this country supported those $2000 checks the the representatives with higher union density in their districts are more likely to support that that process. So so you know David was talking about democracy in the workplace. Unions make democracy at the ballot box more real because they give working people an institution to make their demands known collectively to their representatives. And, and, and it's a good it, 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 it's a really good way to uh, to put pressure on our politicians that we don't have through other means that we don't have through just consuming political content on YouTube or on talk radio or by watching CNN or by writing a letter as an individual. Even these communities that we create around political talk shows, they're not nearly as organized. They're not nearly as cohesive as together as workers when we organize in the workplace in unions uh, across districts and across the country and across the states and and, and internationally but one thing it, it also shifts it shifts that burden that you see in non-unionized communities off of government reliance and on to the free market which is something mm-hmm. that rarely anybody ever wants to talk about is the union's the, the the rising tide you know the unions shift a a lesser paid worker into a more moderately paid worker and allow them those resources to not rely on government assistance right. so much which is what you see in a lot of the walmarts and things like that 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 is that is a drain on 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 on, on everybody uh we got eric on the line he was he called in and wanted to talk about the current topic good morning eric how are you good morning fine thank you and i appreciate the opportunity uh the first thing i and i hopefully something that we both agree on is that not all people are the man and not all people are the union in that neither are perfect and neither are always right no no That's i mean correct. anytime you get a large group of people together you're mm-hmm. you know, there's 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 a chance for right 
yeah, that, think. Yeah, I mean, that's, 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 something that I've said, that's something that I've said repeatedly on the show is that unions are human institutions. And so, you know, you're going to have flaws in unions generally, and you're going to have flawed iterations of unions, just like you will with any human institutions, well, because humans are imperfect. That's why I'm concerned about the comments that are like pro-union, pro-union, pro-union. Here's an example question. What do you think about the union at Dunlop Tires? I work with several of the brothers that come from Dunlop. Um, and Dunlop I- no longer exists here in Huntsville. I had a half a dozen guys that I worked with that uh, the, Dun- the union came in from up north down to Dunlop tire- Tires, asked them to unionize, really, really pushed the guys, they unionized them, Within a year, none of them had a job because they closed the plant. This is the one over in Madison. Yeah. And so all those guys lost their job because they took the, they took the jobs up north away from here. It was a scam the whole time on the guys that were here working and had a good job. That's, you know, that's a good, but were you actively involved in Dunlop at all? These, these were a half a dozen. These were guys that I visited with every weekend. We hunted together. No, I mean, okay, so you weren't actively involved in Dunlop. No, they were actively involved. Okay. The, well, Dunlop, the, the reason that I was working asking. fine, and, then they, and the guys, were they loved their jobs. Yeah. They were complaining about that. They had no complaints with the jobs. And they were, they, one guy was cutting tires. I mean, it was a variety of jobs. Yep. Yeah, I, I, like jobs. I say, I work, I currently work with a lot of the people that, that went, came from uh, Used to Dunlop be at Dunlop. Tires. Yep, used to be at Dunlop. Dunlop's exactly. gone. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Dunlop's yeah. gone. So here's here would be the question that I pose to you. Do you know anything about Goodyear Tire Indicator? I'm, I, I'm like I said, I know good or bad. Okay. Yeah, Goodyear Tire used to drive past, and I was it was kind of cool that it was there, and now it's gone. Yeah, and you know what? Wasn't a union. A Never unionized. So that I think that doesn't help. That improves that. That doesn't really necessarily help. Well, what I'm saying is because we have a lot of talk uh, that says unions drive jobs out of the area. And, and the point that I'm making is I do not believe that unions drive jobs out of the area. I believe what we've seen with NAFTA uh, and numerous other free trade agreements that opens up lower wage working segments in other areas of the of the world, such as Mexico, such as Taiwan, such as Thailand, such as China, then capitalists uh, uh, see an ability to create more profit overseas and ship the product back into the United States. Uh, and, There's and, too many capitalists that do not like NAFTA. Oh, yeah, that's I don't disagree don't with NAFTA you. Anymore. Well, we've still so got that's, NAFTA. That's really, not a union, that's really not a union issue. We brought in too much free crap, and we've also opened up too many tire companies that are foreign-owned here. That's what caused that. So... Why, the reason we lost that location there is that the union, which has a stronger hold on that tire company, made sure that companies outside of the areas that didn't have unions are the ones that closed. Well, the analogy that I make me, would be, we're all, we got about 10 more seconds, would be that Goodyear was a union and they went offshore as well. It is what it is. Put it there, boy, we'll show these fascists what a couple of hillbillies can do.
You may be surprised People in this world are getting organized You're bound to lose You fascists bound to lose Folks, welcome back to the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison. My co-host is David Story. Uh, Eric came uh, came with us over the break, and and you know, uh, David, you were saying some stuff uh, um, during the break, and 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 I wanted to, to reiterate that here. You know, you, you talked about there were there are so many with a you know you were talking about that Dunlop Dunlop closed after the union came in, and there were so many similarly situated manufacturers that closed right around the same time that were not unionized. Most of the uh, <clears throat> most workplaces in America are not unionized, and right around the same time, you've got so many, uh, so many different uh, workplaces that are wor- uh, uh, the jobs are being shipped overseas, and uh, the you know. The correlation with with the unions don't really hold up, but the correlation with NAFTA holds up a lot better because before NAFTA, you had a significantly, significantly higher unionization rate, um, but you didn't have nearly as many jobs being shipped overseas. If the unions were the problem, then what we would have seen would have been, um, you know, when Alabama actually at one point had the highest unionization rate in the country. And what we would have seen at that time would have been jobs being shipped overseas. But that wasn't the case because uh, the laws were such that they couldn't do that. The tax laws, the um, the import and export laws, they were such that you couldn't do that. Once the laws were such that you could ship jobs overseas and you could you take advantage of foreign slave labor uh, and then sell cheap products over here to American workers, um, uh, f- that they're cheap because of slave labor, uh, then then the jobs get shipped overseas, union or not. And so <clears throat> one of the things that I think is, is very important to point out, because you don't have – you. And and, and and this is not a stab at Eric. Uh, you know, this is simple groupthink type mentality that we get when we make st- broad-reaching statements. And what I do for a living is troubleshoot equipment and program equipment and things like that. And and any engineer, we and this this uh, this city's full of them. Mm-hmm. You can reach out to any one of them that that deal with. Uh, problems solving problems on a daily basis one of the biggest one of the biggest statements you'll hear all of them make is correlation is not equal to causation in other words just because something happened here and then there was a reaction that does not mean that that's what caused the problem so call correlation is not equal to causation It takes a deeper dive to look at what's causing these problems. And it's very easy to say that just because a union come into Dunlop, that that Mm -hmm. caused the problem. That's, That's a very broad, wide grasp of what you know and it's very easy to say because that's exactly what dunlop wants you to think <laughs> that's yeah. exactly what but the that's fact exactly of the matter what is everybody all of the you know 
capitalist owners want you to think is that is that worker power is going to destroy jobs. And, and you know, the fact of the matter is that's not true. And, and we talked to at the beginning of this pandemic when the airlines were going under, we talked to a, a representative from the machinist union who represents a lot of folks in the airline industry. And we talked to them about how their union was able to secure um, uh, uh, st- uh, was able jobs. to secure uh, relief packages for the airlines. They, they were part of the reason that the airlines were able to stay afloat, that, that United Airlines and Delta didn't go under, was because you had unions lobbying uh, Congress to On save the, the industry. And it happened the same in, in, in my workplace. Right. Our, our, our lobbyists at the machinist union in D.C. helped during the transition of away from Russian rockets into in, in Russian engines and our rockets to American made. And I've got letters from several senator, U.S. senators, our sitting senators, who, I, who you know, uh, Senator Shelby, you've never heard me say a bad thing about him because mm-hmm. he's helped us tremendously. Right. And that is due to the union going in and lobbying Senator Shelby, <clears throat> Senator Shelby and getting these impl- these process, these legislators uh process implemented to help the business not just the workers but mm-hmm. to help the business stay afloat as well eric what else did you have to say okay well, I, and, I, and i'm going to disagree a little bit on the first part because it, the complaint with the union was not because of losing jobs to the union as a whole or the company as a whole is when they came in they decided to close a local plant which should have been the same cost to operate because of the fact that the union cost would have been the same but they chose to close this plant than the one that they came from. Now, the second one is a little more personal. Uh, dealing with two years, a fourth and a fifth grade teachers, where the fourth grade teacher was going through a divorce, they, the union stepped in and would not let that teacher release, so she didn't teach for a year, so had a group of students that didn't learn for a year. And then going into fifth grade, just by happenstance, had another teacher who was going through personal problems, basically a meltdown, didn't teach for a year, but the union stepped in and did not let that person leave. So that, that's where I say all unions are not right and all unions are not wrong. But that's a case where two years had my students not be able to learn. So we had to supplement. And it took about three or four years to make up for the hassle of that t- two teachers that could not be removed because of the union. Yeah. What do you, uh, the, I mean, it's, it's, what, it's I'm sorry, I, impossible I, to dive into details, and you definitely don't want to no, s- no, no. share but, details but over the, of the radio. Union stepping in, the union stepped in and didn't allow those uh, teachers to be fired. Is that what you're saying? No, one, they wouldn't let them be gone. fired, nor would let them be moved. The, the philosophy was from the unions and a tie into the principal we had, not the principal superintendent we had at that time, that was very strong union, was. Well, we'll just let her finish out the year, and then we'll get rid of her. Like, that solved the problem for the 30 kids that were in the class. And that was two years in a row for so the administ- many of those students. Sounds like you just said the administration made that decision? No, the, uh, the union came to the administ- went to the superintendent, and they both agreed, but the unions were the one that were pushing the – and she was a pro-union uh, superintendent at that time. And they, uh, they agreed. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a perfect example of unions and, and businesses working in coordination okay, to try to figure out what is the so best. I, I get okay, out of your way. I, I mean, I hate to be NASA. a pain, but I, whenever I, I, I'm talking, I try to I try to give you the opportunity to talk, and then you know it's called a dialogue. Uh, I'm I, I mean I 
So I think that's a perfect thing to get something out quickly for you. Go ahead. I'm sorry. So I think that's a perfect example of unions and businesses. In this case, it was the school district working, you know, hand in hand coordinating to ensure that that the employee wasn't wronged in this, you know, and it may have had an effect on on some of the people in that uh for example, for the kids. school children. And that is the fault of the administration for not saying, we're going to allow you to do this, but we're also going to shift some of this burden of these children into other areas and things like that. The point that I'm making is you can't put the entire problem on the union. There is a coordinated effort between the union and the company. And these not contracts and these contracts that that, that we negotiate collectively, the company has just as much ability to walk away and say, no, we're not going to accept that as the union Not does. in that case they did. Well, I mean, you said that the and administration I, made that decision, so I feel like... No, the administration agreed with what the union brought to them. So collectively, they, they all agreed. It to occur. They didn't stand up to the union because they can't. They yeah, well, can't I think they the can. They can. I mean, they can... Well, they, it the, doesn't work because the union bucks them so hard. And what can the union do? Have teachers walk. Right. Yep, exactly. Have teachers stop teaching. Exactly. Sit in the classroom and not teach. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Last, last one, which is, uh, I, I was an I call an administrator. I was a professional working out at NASA. Mm-hmm. Did that for three years. One of my tasks as that professional is we would do surveys of all the property on NASA and, and who was in rooms and who was doing work and such. Uh, I would go to room after room where I would find, I'll say room after room, I probably toured 300 rooms, walked in on more than a dozen people sleeping in their office. Mm. I dealt with unions that were balking. They did not want to have the open collaboration is what we see in all these office spaces nationally now today where people work together Mm -hmm. and they want closed offices. We could not t- make a change because the union directly enforced that without a question. The administration that we were dealing with for that was union, and the union was not allowing any changes for that to be made. And I sat there and watched hundreds of thousands of dollars go to waste. That's misappropriation, but could do nothing about it. Mm-hmm. I also watched situations because of the union, and they do this right now at NASA, they hire people as professionals. So, for example, hired a person and used him as an electrical engineer. Someone had never done it. He graduated but had no training, is not licensed as electrical engineer, cannot be classified as one. He was designing a one-megawatt utility plant for them that we were tearing apart as far as staff was, where it was falsely done and bad. They are risking the lives of people because they have people hired without a license and they're using them as those, claiming they've got experience and they're nothing but a draftsman. Yeah, I mean, and that, that is because of the union, <clears throat> union requiring that to occur nationally. 
as far as NASA goes. Yeah, right. Well, you know, I mean, uh, Eric, we, we appreciate your time. Uh, we're going to have to let you go. We had somebody else uh, uh, on the line that, that was wanting to talk. Let me, let um, me just but say I mean, this as, for one second. Uh, well, I mean, as far, I mean, real quick, as far as, you know, the, the, the small anecdotes, you know, we're, we're only hearing one side of these stories. We're not hearing, you know, as far as uh, that teacher that was, that was um, going through a divorce, I mean, that's tough. I, I know firsthand how uh, how hard that is. And, um, you know, I, we're not hearing from from this uh, from this listener her side of the story. We're not hearing yeah. her uh, co-worker side of the story. We're not hearing the administrator side of the story. And so, you know, I don't know the extent to which the student's education was was harmed. I don't know the extent to which uh, the, the union that he was talking about was risking life by allowing people with experience and not uh, degree qualifications do work. <clears throat> I don't know. Um, I, d- I uh, need to know, know one but, thing. There's no such thing as a licensed engineer in Alabama. No, there there is. You can no, be a professional it, engineer. Not a lie. The company determines who is qualified to perform engineer duties on in their facility. Yeah, that that's true. But you get there is a professional engineer license. You can get you can get your PE. I know there are people at my job that do that. A P, yeah, exactly. A PE, and that gives you the ability to work in the public sphere. Right. You don't have to have a PE to work, to work in, in, the in the private sphere. sphere. Okay, okay. And that is the point that I'm right. trying to make. Is yes, there is some some regulations. I, I, I my understanding was a lot of the right wing uh, folks w- was against regulation, uh, but the company in the private industry, you don't have to have a license. And the fact that someone went through four years of school and attained a bachelor's of science in engineering. If, if they're unable to perform their job, it is the company's responsibility to ensure mm-hmm. that they're performing their job. It's not the union's responsibility to ensure. Now, granted, we take a lot, a, a lot of, uh, of onus on ourselves to ensure that our members perform to the best of their mm-hmm. ability. But at the end of the day, and it is the company's job. And if the company is not doing that, that is not the fault of the union. That right. is the fault of the company. Right. And if, and you know, if you listen to some of our interviews with some of the trade workers, they take a lot of pride in, in the training that they have. And, and, you know, so, you know, look, I mean, maybe the union folks were wrong in this scenario. I, I'm not exactly sure, but that doesn't invalidate uh, the fact that workers deserve to have a voice on the job. Workers deserve to have a say in their workplace. And, and that's that's what we're all about. So we got one more segment. Uh, we got one person on the line. We'll try to bring him on the other side. This is the Valley Labor Report. You're listening to the Valley Labor Report with David Story and Jacob Morrison. Welcome back to the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison here with my co-host, David Story. And really quick before we get to this caller, I want to mention that Joe Marshall, good brother from uh, United Steelworkers out in the Florence Shoals area, called to make a correction for us on the uh, on, on something that was said, said that Goodyear was not union. Goodyear um, uh, uh, was union with UFCW Local 88T, and they are still union, even though they're now owned by some uh, Korean manufacturing company. So uh, the the facility is still there. Um, is it still there? Facility well, still I don't there. Indicator any longer. I thought yeah. that that facility Fac- closed down. Facility still there, owned by different people, same union. So, I 
So, there. so hang on a second. <laughs> That's Let's what Joe said. So Joe's, well, hey, Joe, if you're, if you're still out there, we certainly appreciate you listening. And we certainly appreciate you calling in and, and uh, correcting me on that. I thought they were closed down and yeah. I didn't think they were union. But I guess they that did not kinda, close down and they are union. So ain't that strange? <laughs> ain't that ain't strange? strange, ain't how strange. They, so you mean that terrible yeah. union didn't close Goodyear right, down? Right, right. They did not. Good they did not. Lord. So uh, I think his name was Jack. I forget. I'm sorry. It's been so long. We talked to Eric for so long. Uh, but we got somebody on the line. I think Jack uh, from Huntsville, you still on? You there, Jack? Hello? Hmm. Um, your, your name may not have been Jack, uh, but you're going once, still there, going twice, gone. one 866 is the number. I don't know if we'll take any more calls. We only got like eight more minutes. But, uh, you know, like, um, I've got my, got my little sidekick Guthrie here. I foster foster a lot of dogs. Sometimes I bring them into the studio with me. May may end up keeping this one, so you may may see Guthrie more often. You're gonna keep that ratty looking I dog. I may keep this. The the, the, the ratty looking ones are always my favorite. Oh, yeah. I'm mean, I'm the underdog uh, yeah. supporter. Well, you know, I like uh, I I got a thing for small dogs, and uh, I do have a slight dog allergy, so I like him to be hypoallergenic. He's He's a terrier. Terriers are hypoallergenic, and you need to take a moment and 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 discuss what you do. I mean, that you oh, know well, what you do. I mean, it, it sounds menial, but you do important work. Oh no, I don't know about that. I, you I, don't. I mean, uh, well, I mean, you know, if 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 you're interested in fostering animals, you should. Uh, you can go to a new leash on life. Uh, they are a local animal shelter. Uh, I have been fostering through them for the last year. I think old Guthrie's probably my 16th now that I've fostered. I've fostered puppies. I've fostered adult dogs. Um, and, uh, and it's great. I, I enjoy it. It's a, it's, it's good. Um, you know, puppies, it's fun getting to play with puppies. Uh, they're also a lot of work, <laughs> but, and so, you know, having, having these older, more calm dogs like Guthrie here, uh, that that's got its place too. And I may end up, I've been, I've been looking for a dog for a while now. So Guthrie may be, I've been, I've been wanting to get one, but all the, all the dogs that I've been fostering are, you know, like not hypoallergenic. So well, I mean, and, and what you're doing is a perfect example, a perfect solution uh, to, you know, to what uh, it, it, it's, it, it's an expression of direct action through mutual aid. And, and, and you're, you're taking on some of the puppies in these, uh, what are, what are they? I, don't, I hate to say pound, but I mean, well, that's kind shelters, of what, shelters, well, exactly. Yeah, so I've, I've, um, yeah, so a new leash on life, one of the things that they do is sometimes people will drop dogs off to them directly, but also they will take, they, whenever they've got extra room, they'll actually go to what we would call a pound, like Huntsville Animal Services or Morgan County Animal Services, and take dogs from them, because new leash on life is a no-kill animal shelter, yeah. where the pounds, they euthanize if, if, a, if a dog like, overstays their welcome, so to speak. And so to prevent as many euthanations as possible, a new leash on life will take dogs from there. I think he. I think Guthrie actually came from the Morgan County Animal Services, um, and you know, like if you see him on the stream, he's, he's. The vet said he was only three or four, but I've got a hard time believing that. He looks. Uh, he's pretty old, yeah. and if you like see him walk, he. he 
But but I mean the thing is it's good work. It it, it well yeah, I mean it's as much for me as it is for the dogs. Uh, you know help help me not feel so lonely. Help me you know have a little companion. It's nice. I like it. Yeah, it's the problem stuff. with us is you said you've gotten sixteen over the past uh-huh. year. Yeah, you did. If we had done that, <laughs> we would have sixteen <laughs> dogs in the yard because I mean our my whole family is like just animal lovers. So. Uh, we could once we got attached to one in a week, we couldn't we couldn't let it go back. But yeah, that's yeah. I mean it's good work, and I think it's important work that you're doing, yeah. and and it gives people an opportunity to to uh, connect with animals that that may have been tossed aside instead of uh, supporting these puppy mill you know crap mm-hmm. uh, situations where you pay a thousand dollars for a dog and. Uh, you know, these are the, the the last one I fell in love with, and this one I like just because he's such. Uh, oh, he's so calm. Yep, and just chill. Uh, very good dog. Very good dog. Um, I don't really have anything else to talk about the last four minutes, so I'll just go through and, and and read some of the read some of the comments that we've gotten on on the stream, and and maybe give a quick response to him. You want to do that? Sounds good. Okay. Uh, North Georgia anti-fascist says, hello, fellow workers. Hello, North Georgia anti-fascist. Andrew Wilkins says, I, North Georgia. Morning, all. Uh, Thank y'all for listening. Really appreciate it. Jason says, no Brooks should be removed for his role in the violence on the 6th. I agree. Uh, No Mo BS is what the Alabama Democrats are calling their fund. If you want to donate to the Alabama Democratic Party is... um, uh, they've they've got a they've got a fund out that's going to go to the next Mo Brooks um, opponent. So if you want to help Mo Brooks's next opponent in 2022, you should check out the Alabama Democrats uh, Twitter feed. That's actually pretty good. That's a, it's it's a lot better now that they've got new leadership. The the it is not a bad follow if you're on Twitter. I will say that they've got some good clapbacks. Um, Please get Marjorie Taylor Greene while you're at it. Yes, I agree, Andrew. Marjorie is terrible. North Georgia says that Greene is in her uh, in their area. Don't know if uh, man or woman. Um, uh, um, Andrew said, "Respect to these miners. Uh, need to get off fossil fuels, but until we do, the workers uh, need what they deserve." Totally agree with that. We do need to wean ourselves off of fossil fuels, uh, but in the meantime uh, and after that. The workers that work in these fossil fuel industries, uh, you know, they deserve a living wage and they deserve representation and a voice on the job. Um, North Georgia, Actually, they deserve everything that they that's generate. That's right. That's right. Worker Labor creates all wealth. All wealth should go to labor. North Georgia uh, anti-fascist says, I traveled an hour to northeast Alabama for work and I'm playing this show out in the shop now. Very cool. Very cool. Thank you very much for that. Michael Creel says, hello, everyone. Hello, Michael Skolmeiser says, have you guys seen Walmart's anti-union worker training video? I have not. Um, You have have seen Walmart's and I have seen Lowe's and they are absolutely terrible. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, maybe we can play that on the show one day and like react. Uh, yeah, and and, and 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 we'll get a, a copyright <laughs> yeah. infringement, trademark yeah. infringement. Well, they can't uh, get us on the radio. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I mean, it would be it would be a good uh, good talking point. Yeah, Michael says my partner works at Walmart, and it's wild the stuff they come up with. I do not doubt it. Um, has anyone else in the area felt a weird energy from all these MAGA people creeping me out? Uh, I agree. 
MAGA people creep me out. No, <laughs> most most of my family is MAGA people. Hello, family. Don't, don't start uh, this with <laughs> one. I mean, see, uh, I, I mean, some of it now. Now the real, the out there folks, they they creep me the out. The QAnons. The QAnons. They are loony. I do not have any QAnon family. Uh, Amazon video isn't great. Andrew says probably not. Uh, Andrew is trying to unionize. Oh, folks, if you want to organize, go to the Huntsville IWW Facebook page and Twitter account. Uh, we've got an organizer training starting in an hour. Folks, one hour. One hour. We will see you next week. Next week. <laughs> <laughs>